0: listener, hope you're an Android developer, and today we are going to talk about Android everywhere, especially tablets, Wear, TV, and Android Auto. And today we have Hannes. Hey. And of course we have Artem from San Francisco. Yo. And I guess let's start with tablets since they came out first some time ago. Uh, we all know that it started uh, from android 3.0 mostly and grown fast and at this point nobody knows where are they so um which devices did you have and which have you used in real life and do you have anything right now let's start with artem i guess
1: yeah uh i was pretty early adopter of nexus 7 really liked it i actually won one from kitkat so uh yeah that was like uh, after I got one for myself, I was, uh, you know, I bought a chocolate KitKat and <laughs> you could send the code somewhere to participate in, you know, so you could win the Nexus 7. So I won. So I got two, <laughs> but that was a pretty terrible device. To be honest, it was really slow. And specifically, it had this problem with, uh, you know, under certain, uh, you know, like angle between your finger and the screen. Screen would not accept your, uh, you know, touches. And that was super bad in the car. Like I wanted to use it as navigation in the car and I basically couldn't because I couldn't click on it.
2: Oh yeah, I saw some photo. What is your current setup now?
1: Uh, yeah, we'll probably touch my current setup in the car later. But currently I have actual Android running on some uh, car-specific hardware. I would say it's not like it's a tablet mounted. It's more like they built units that can fit the standard car sockets for the units, for the media units. And I have Android 7 running there and it's a quad core, two gigs of RAM uh, piece of hardware. Yeah, but uh, going back to the tablets, after Nexus 7, I tried Nexus 10. Uh, I actually just uh, picked one from work uh, just to try to drive with it, <laughs> and that was pretty amazing. The screen was so big for the car that was super awesome. Because problem with Nexus Seven and similar tablets is that if you put it into the landscape mode, the vertical space is super super small. It's actually I think it's smaller than regular phone. You know, like five inches or something. So it's really hard to use it as navigation device in the landscape mode and in the horizon- horizontal mode. Uh, like portrait um, it's not enough horizontal space, so it's like it's it's pretty cumbersome um nowadays, I haven't seen tablets for like a couple of years I would say, and only tablets I see as users is iPad, obviously, so I think it's pretty much that
2: I have to confess that I'm really considering buying the ipad the the new the cheap one just for browsing and stuff like that for home usage because. Let's be honest, for three hundred, what is it three hundred something bucks, I can't see any any comparable good tablet at the moment uh, running Android out there. Um, although the hardware is not super overwhelming, it's comparable to I think the iPhone sevens or something like that. but still, um, just for browsing and I don't know, maybe also in combination with the pencil from time to time. Could be a good fit for my for my needs. Um, so I started with Android tablets. I can't remember when it was, but with the Nexus Transformer, uh, not Nexus, with the Asus Transformer. Do you know the the original one with the keyboard you can attach? The first of its kind. Oh man, know? that was such an awesome device, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was nice, but I I don't know. There was no real use case for it, and no real use case for the keyboard either. So. Um, Yeah. But what about you, Artem? Do you own a tablet?
0: Well, actually, Artem gave me his Nexus uh, Nexus 7, I guess it was one of them, (laughs) when he left the country, Uh, when he moved to San Francisco. Uh, I think it's a fine device, but I don't actually use it quite a lot because, I don't know, I think tablets are for people who don't like to use laptops that much. And who just wants some screen of a larger size? And I am not in the situation. Uh, so I had uh, Nexus 10 for some time. It was interesting, and actually I could do something without a laptop, so it it was it was nice. And we have Pixel C at work, uh, but we don't use it actually. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but we don't adapt our application for tablets so we don't actually use it that much Uh, which brings us to the next point Uh, have you actually optimized applications to tablets Uh, there was some time when google uh, pushed that pretty hard actually you had to upload tablet screenshots to google play Uh, it was like one of the was there to do requirements or something like that like uh, So uh, I remember the time. Uh, Let's start with you, Heinz.
2: Yeah, so in my previous company, I think I've mentioned that already in one or two episodes ago, we have built a tablet-optimized version of an app. By tablet-optimized, I really mean like not just applying some padding and spacing and margin and increasing font size or something like that and master detail flow with you know, this awkward pattern of um, reusing a fragment for, for a detail screen and, and another one for a master sc- as as you will see in the official docu- uh, Google documentation. But we really went all in on optimizing for tablets and have built really, really custom UI that looks totally different from the phone UI. Um, but just looking at the raw numbers, I, I don't know if it's... If it was worth to to spend that much time of development effort in in that area, um, but overall I think um, the the Android system and layout system is is quite good. So it's it's really great to to work with. There's no major difference between phone and, and tablet. The XML resources and the resolution to the proper. Um, Resource folder with smallest with 600 dp or something like that. Whatever you would like to choose works, works just great. And I think that's, that's really, really awesome compared to, for instance, iOS, where you don't have such powerful, powerful tools. On the other hand, killing the activity on every <laughs> configuration change or just to be able to reload the new resource is, is also a little bit, I don't know. An awkward workaround, from my point of view, but with architecture components and others, at least at least screen orientation changes can can be handled easier these days. But again, not sure if it's worth to to optimize apps. I also saw some statistics that market shares of of um, tablets uh, decline basically every quarter by by five percent or something like that. So. Um, I don't know if it's if it's something something too worth to do nowadays, but you can start easily with just applying some padding and spacing and stuff like that to make it not look too bad. If someone is really owning a tablet and using your app on on a tablet, but again, um, I I think I've also mentioned that before that, for instance, the SDK itself, well, not the SDK, but probably support libraries itself. Are missing some tools that would allow us to build more powerful powerful uis for tablets for instance the recycler view layout managers the default ones like the linear or the staggered grid or something like that i mean they they are just not good enough for for building super super nice um yeah super nice looking android uh uis uh tablet uis so what is your perspective anyone of else has some experience with tablet uis
1: yeah, i've worked on some support for tablets but that was like four <laughs> years ago or something like this so yeah nowadays i think at left we actually lock the orientation <laughs> so i'm not even sure how the app will work on the tablets yeah it's it's pretty much useless nowadays and i would say the worst part is that when the app sort of supports tablets, and you accidentally enabled the screen rotation, and on the phone, that's like ridiculous. (laughs) So, I mean, it's not really about the tablet support, I guess it's more about like this, um, what's the term on the website? Adaptive UI or something like this, right? When your UI sort of just tries to fill the screen with content rather than you have different UI like master and uh, you know non master panel like was suggested before I think more and more the content reach apps just try to fill your space like YouTube they will just fill your screen with videos and you have tabs at the bottom uh, to navigate in the app I think that's the better direction for the content apps and then the productivity apps I think there is a certain niche um, I'm not sure you can consider Square Register as a tablet app, like it's pretty custom UI, but I guess there are some applications for uh, work-related stuff, but not for the most utility apps, I guess, like something like Lyft or Juno or whatever (laughs) is uh, not really designed to be used on tablets
0: yeah uh I optimized some applications as well, and I just remembered that it was days before like all this m v whatever uh so basically you had a couple of fragments and an activity, and it was really awkward to pass that to pass data between them at the same time supporting phone layouts and such so it was kind of awkward uh actually, I had some uh, experience with the useful part of tablets. Uh, When I worked at the previous company, uh, we had this kind of any graphical interface for sports panels. I don't know if you saw them. Basically on stadiums uh, and just uh, like they put on on, on the wall of rooms or something like that. With the current score of games. And we had this tablet which had a single app looked in. which actually had all controls over it. So it was never meant to be on the phone, but I made the UI adaptive anyway, like Artem said. So basically it scaled well on everything. And I guess uh, it is one of these examples where it is actually useful to have a double duplication. But at the same time, uh, I think the major issue with the ecosystem at this point is that we don't have devices. Uh, I don't remember anything, just from top of my head, from tablet side on Android, we have these days. The last one, I guess, was Pixel C, but it already doesn't receive updates, I guess. So basically, I don't know, uh, as I feel it, the status of the tablet ecosystem on Android is actually kind of dead. Um, nobody actually knows if it was to invest in it, so nothing actu- actually is done. Designers don't, took, don't take much attention into these adaptive things. So basically we're on and on in that. What are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, I wouldn't call it that because I just looked up the, some numbers. So in 2017, um, Apple shipped seventy-seven million devices, uh, iPad devices, and the next Android competitor, which is Samsung, only shipped uh, seventy-four million devices. So, comparing this with smartphones, in two thousand seventeen, they were shipped four hundred three million devices uh, worldwide. So overall, including iPads, like 160 million devices has been shipped in 2017, versus 403 million devices on uh, on smartphone side worldwide. So uh, it's it's hard to tell what the Android market for tablet is exactly. So if you sum up all. I don't know all others, all other competitors together. There we have um, Samsung, Amazon is also probably the third biggest player after Apple and Samsung with their um, Fire Fire Tab or what is it called? And yeah, overall, I'm not sure if it's if it's really worth to optimize it, but I wouldn't call it death. What do you think, Artem?
1: On the other hand, we completely skipped the topic of um, having a tablet for a kid, right? I think that's very common use case, uh, especially for iPad. And I think a couple years ago, there was this common thought in the tech blogs, you know, sphere that people are abandoning computers at home, and they just want to consume content, and that's what tablets are pretty good for. I'm not sure like how real is this uh, to this day, but actually, I think there is a generation growing that don't really use computers much, uh, especially since we have like um, you know game consoles like PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, you don't really need a computer to play games. You can use your phone, uh, then the game center, and then a tablet to consume content so it might be that for some applications it's the the most of the users or you know like the phones didn't start um, immediately so maybe we're just waiting for some great application to kick off of the tablet space
0: i just think that ipad actually won (laughs) this battle some time ago like just kind of henness mentioned Uh, i would actually consider just buying an iPad instead of some strange Android tablet because Google doesn't ship one and other vendors are not doing that and I don't trust Samsung enough so (laughs) I don't know
2: well I think the Pixel C wasn't a bad bad tablet device it's you know it's just that there is no good use case for me and no good good tablet apps to I don't know to actually run some apps on, on the Pixel C but from the hardware point of view, it was, it was okayish. Um, what do you think in general about Chromebooks? Because Chromebooks, at least in the U.S., are fastly growing, it seems, especially in the education sector. And I've heard from some people that they think that Chromebooks are the better Android tablets, actually, because you, you know, you, nowadays you can also install apps from the Play Store on your Chromebook and in the US, the market share of Chromebooks seems to be like almost 60%, 59%, 59% um, on mobile computing shipments, whatever that exactly means. But in the rest of the world, still Windows and Windows dominates with, with 60 plus something percent. And Chromebooks are 8%, Android 20%. And iOS, 7%. So Chromebook seems to be worldwide a little bit bigger than even iOS-powered uh, mobile computing shipment devices. <laughs> I assume that, th- that this means uh, iPad. So what are your thoughts about Chromebooks? Is that something that could, I don't know, t- take over the tablet Android market at all?
0: I thought Artem had some thoughts on it since he is in the States. <laughs> Actually,
2: well, I haven't seen any Chromebook.
1: <laughs> they uh, suggested me to use one when I was moving was when I was traveling to Russia. I was like, "Can I take my laptop with me?" They were like, "No, but we can give you a Chromebook." And I was like, "No, thanks." <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm not sure we're like the right people to you know uh, talk about the market shares and stuff like that. Have ever any one of us done anything related to Chromebooks in, from the technical part?
2: Mm, I just tried to run my application on a Chromebook just to, I don't know, without really optimizing it for Chromebooks, just to, I don't know, experiment and see if the app is crashing or not. So I don't have much development experience. Um, but I think Chromebooks, well, it depends. There were, there were a lot of different devices, but wasn't the last Chromebook that was, I can't remember the name that was presented. At last, uh, Google I.O. S- something like a thousand bucks Chromebooks thing. And I was all like, oh, should I really spend thousand bucks for a Chromebook? I mean, seriously? For a Chromebook? Um, yeah, yeah, the
1: first thing I was looking uh, for is how to unlock bootloader and install Linux on in it. Because it's a pretty decent device. <laughs> but, but Chrome OS is not really uh, productive, I guess, for anything other than education or content consuming.
0: The interesting part about this Chrome OS is that I think they run Android applications not in some sort of emulator, but actually in user space. I don't know how it works, but <laughs> it would be interesting to find out what's really going on. Uh, let's go to the next topic, uh, and it is Android Wear. Uh, I saw Android Wear on some crappy LG devices, so I don't have much of experiences from this device side. Uh, the interesting thing is uh, I thought about buying one, uh, I think the one from the Motorola, because it looks decent. But uh, eventually I just bought a couple of uh, like mechanical watches <laughs> and was done with it. And actually just decent watches look better and just show time and I don't need showing notifications all the time on, on my hand. But anyway, Highness, do you have an Android Wear or like a Wear OS device? It is called these days like that on your hand right now
2: um not right now, but I do have a moto three sixty sports edition. I basically use it just for running, so I'm not wearing it like day by day, but I put it on just to listen to music and track my my run with g p s so that that's that's super handy, I think um going running without you know. Carrying around your smartphone and just having the the watch um, be the come uh, the device that that runs everything you need for running. Uh, with that said, yeah, I agree. There's no no strong use case for me to to have an Android Wear or in general a Wear watch, whatever you would like to call it, um, in a, in my daily day to day to do my day to day stuff. So. I'm also.
0: I I just run without anything. <laughs> like so you're old I, I, I just have uh, keys from my apartment and that's all.
2: <laughs> so the interesting shift was like with Android, Android Wear one point something to Android Wear two two because I know a lot of people were were using Android Wear watches as a extension to read notifications, and with Android two they the focus has shifted to, I think, or I would say, to build more standalone apps for the fitness sector or sports sector. Um, but I know that a lot of people get disappointed by not having, like, displayed, getting getting notif- notification displayed uh, more prominent on the screen because they were a little bit hidden now in Android Wear 2.0 or Wear OS by Google. Um, Is anyone of you that kind of person who really likes to get notification on your wrist?
1: Yeah, so I was pretty early adopter of wearable stuff. I got Pebble pretty early. I don't remember the year, but they uh, came out recently, uh, and I really liked them, Um, but it was a mess in terms of uh, how other apps could interact with it because there were no native support, and basically what they did is that they hooked into accessibility services and were monitoring the notifications from that. And that was not perfect, but I really liked the battery life and stuff like that. Um, That was about at the time where I was using multiple monitors to work with. So I was pretty into the, you know, reacting to notifications, stuff like that. Um, Then the Android Wear came out. So I pretty immediately got the LG uh, what's the name? I don't remember. Something from LG, uh, sort of like square ones. Um, so I like them as well, especially because they were initially designed to be water resistant. So uh, I have this quirk that my watch should be water resistant so I could shower with them because I shower a really long time. So like I need to know what time it is. Uh, I can easily spend like 40 minutes in a shower just staying there thinking about something. Or just
0: a day uh, or a couple of days.
1: (laughs) Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually shower like three times a day sometimes, maybe sometimes more. Anyway, uh, yeah. So what I'm saying is that over time, I actually started to hate it because it was distracting me so much because of notifications. And you sort of like spent so much your time and attention and switch the context too often that I stopped using notifications, but then it sort of doesn't make much sense to use a wearable device that you need to charge pretty much every day. Um, Yeah, I also tried to use uh, Moto and then I was really, really thinking hard about why watch, why Hawaii, oh my god, we we call it totally differently in Russian. Uh, I think we call it Huawei. (laughs) So anyway, Those were looking really nice because they were 100% round, no uh, this notches or whatever, uh, like Moto had. But then they were so expensive. Um, Like, I don't remember the exact number, but they were really expensive. So for some time after that, I was wearing just normal watches, like normal people. But then I again wanted something smart in my hand. So I got the Uh, Xiaomi or Xiaomi Mi Band, which is actually a very nice device. You don't need to charge it very often. I think you charge it once per three weeks or something. And there are applications that you can um, sync with your phone to like vibrate the brace, uh, the band. So it's actually pretty interesting. And I somehow lost it, (laughs) so now I don't have one. Uh, so now nowadays I wear normal watches that have like 300 meters uh, water resistance because it's just cool when you can swim with your watches. Uh, so yeah, it's also, I, I'm still interested in the area. So I watch all, you know, major YouTube videos about the updates on the Wear OS. And it seems that it's pretty much a consensus in the user community that where OS is a great uh, direction for some uh, users, but they definitely don't like how Google tackles that and they expect uh, Google to address those issues on the uh, Google I.O. this year, specifically that there is no uh, sort of Nexus or Pixel lineup that is sort of flagship that you can get and get updates for a longer time and get really good hardware because what they do nowadays is that google partners with fashion brands uh, and then the fashion brands make watches which is already ridiculous uh, but those these watches are very high tech right and they screw up to too many components of that and the user experience is not too great and then you also have paying price not just for the tech, as you used to with tech companies like Huawei or Asus or Motorola or LG, you don't really pay for the brand because they're not Apple or something. Uh, But with the fashion brands, you pay extra just for the brand and then you get crappy hardware inside, which is like ridiculous. So I'm not sure that direction was super Good idea. It, it's, it's definitely cool that there are different styles of the, how watches look themselves, but it's it's a questionable, I guess, for the users. Um, so yeah, I hope they will address that with some sort of pixel uh, watch lineup and maybe Wear OS update that will make it even more consistent. Um, because experience is pretty, pretty complicated, like, uh, It's really hard to find a good-looking watch face for your watches. Its applications are not that good as for your phone. Um, It's great that notifications work very reliably. I never really had major issues with that and that was pretty amazing Uh, comparing to my Pebble or Mi Band experience. Those are definitely suffer from some issues. So I think there is a potential there, uh, but also at the same time, you can totally see how people are like. That whole direction was a mistake, and there are no really good use cases for that. That might be true. So maybe uh, something like augmented reality will just, you know, eliminate this wearable direction completely, because you will be able to see notifications and whatever, uh, whatnot, you know, just right in front of you, rather than. You're just talking about Google Glass, habit. right? <laughs> uh, Well, yeah, I mean, Google Glass is really old. It's not like brand, but like product. Uh, and there are definitely major developments in that direction from other companies nowadays. So I think there is a great potential there that can just eliminate the wearable market.
0: Well, first of all, I have no idea how would you survive with it a else on your hand, because you have so much notifications, I have no idea how do you leave. Because, <laughs> I don't know, if you start tracking just the Java repository on GitHub, it will just mess up any notification feed, with like a dozen of three emails per second or something like that. Um, on the second thought, uh, as from as I remember from Apple podcasts, Apple-related podcasts, I listen from time to time. Uh, it is There is some kind of an issue with this wearable thing that everybody wants a new toy on their hand and they buy it and sometime in the future they just don't use it because they just forget to charge it or there are too many notifications and they just distracted with it. So there is definitely some kind of issue with it. Uh, it's not for everyone, I guess. And let's just switch to the development. Part of the warehouse. Uh, I don't have much experience with it. Uh, the only thing we've done uh, in Juno is just uh, adapt the identification style to the watch. Uh, well, it is pretty simple, it's just like a, content, a custom content extender, and you're done. Uh, and it works pretty reliably, like Artem said. Uh, The only thing I can remember from the API standpoint that is weird, like from, I don't know, not not from the API standpoint, but from the behavior one, is that uh, for some reason uh, Android Wear 1.0 actually somehow refused to use vector drawables and we had to use raster drawables like animals. Uh, But otherwise than that I don't remember anything Related to it, um, and do you have uh, a watch app at Lyft? Uh, Uber has one, I remember for sure, but not sure about Lyft.
1: Uh, no, we don't. I think we also um I haven't really checked, but I think I definitely seen some commits related to some notification improvements for the watches. Uh, I definitely like how you tackled that, Juno. Like you were definitely not a user, but you were super interested into how to make the experience great. So I think that's how we should adapt to uh, some platforms that we don't really use, but we want at least to make sure the experience is great. Um, so that was really nice to see from my side because I was a user for a long time and I knew the, you know, the pain points uh, when and how people screw up, especially with actions like when you get a notification but you can't do much from your watches. That's like super frustrating and. We put some really good actions there uh, at Juno, I remember. So you could like, when you receive right, you could, uh, I think you could say like that you're on the place already. So drivers know about that, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't think we have a separate app for that at Lyft, just, I think just notification support. What about you, Hannes?
2: So, well, before I dig into it, take interest- into this topic, I would like to throw some more numbers to you, <laughs> although uh, please listener take take this into account that we are not not experts in this area, so I just have researched some numbers and the number of sales worldwide of smartphone watches is estimated to be thirty two million in two thousand seventeen, which is almost half the size of the tablet. Uh, market, or the the, the number of, of uh, tablets uh, sold. Oh, sorry, I messed it up. So it was 160 million tablets, including iPads. Okay, no, then it's not the half. Um, so including the Android uh, wa- uh, Wear Watches and the iPad, uh, sorry, iOS-powered watches. Um, we are on a market about... 32 million and half of them, so 50% are considered to be or estimated to be Apple Watch. So, um, and surprisingly, the numbers are increasing every quarter and Forbes estimates that in 2022, which is quite some time until we get there, but the numbers of... Uh, the numbers of sold devices should be doubled so it seems like this is the growing market at the moment but there are also other non android devices like Fitbit and garmin which are which seems to be catch up um but coming back to the to the development part so I have built some apps just basically for my own most of them one was Android Wear one o watch which was, I don't know, which was a stupid idea just to build it, but it was part of my daily work. Actually, it was for a news magazine, and for some reasons, our customer has decided that he wants a Android Wear application where he could read news article on his watch. And That was that was just a stupid idea, honestly. And back then, also, the Wear watch wasn't standalone, so... Uh, the Wear application wasn't standalone, so you have to communicate over Bluetooth and open some channel and sync data back and forth. And that was, that was really awkward. I think it was also a bad SDK ish implement. Well, not, not sure if it was a bad SDK, but it was just not a great developer experience. So it was really low level ish and, and, really, really awkward to work. But nowadays, when starting with Android Wear 2.0, um, you can have standalone apps. And that's actually pretty neat, so I think overall the Android ecosystem is from a developer's point of view is quite quite good so you can use your let's say business logic from your phone and just implement another UI layer view layer for for where um, that's that's fantastic i mean that's that's pretty cool It works all of the, almost all of the things that you know from from the app from your a uh, regular phone app. Um, works on the on a where too like databases, uh, making network uh, calls, stuff like that so that's that's pretty neat from my point of view. Um, so the company I work for also don't doesn't have a uh, aware where uh, application mm, The interesting part is that we are a fitness company and a coworker of mine. Uh, was actually presenting at Droid Berlin, I think two or three years ago, an Android Wear watch he has he has built an uh, Android Wear application he has built um, to track or to recognize push-ups. So we we have some body weight app where you have can do like body weight exercises or doing workouts without going to the gym, and the idea was. Um, we should build something for the Android, Android wrist, eh, for Android wear, for your wrist. So you can simplify, um, counting the, the workout or the exercises you're doing. But that was just like a very, 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 very early stage prototype. But the way he presented it, I was under the impression and the illusion that this is actually a real published app. Well. Three years later, I joined that company, it turns out there's no Android Wear app at, at all, <laughs> to my surprise. But again, I think for, for fitness or for stuff like that or sports, uh, I totally see where Android Wear or watches in general have their, their niche. Um, but again, the, the overall experience, for the, from a developer's point of view, I think it's, it's pretty great on, on Android, on the Android platform. You basically have the same activity, lifecycle, stuff like that. You can even use fragment if you want to. You can use recycler view nowadays, which wasn't the case in Android Wear one dot something, if I remember correctly. So you have recycler view with a oh you actually have a rounded recycler view something that has some angle for your items. And I'm actually not sure. But that was one of the weird things. I think it was extending RecyclerView. So there's a rounded RecyclerView or something like that. I can't remember what the name was, which seems a little bit strange to me to have, I don't know, a dedicated class just for it. But maybe it's handling some some touch input events or something like that in a a slightly different way than the traditional RecyclerView on your phone does. Another thing that I don't like too much is the, what is it called... So on Android where you can have watch faces, obviously, and then you can write complications. And complications, uh, I don't know. They, there you have to use data provider, and data provider really reminds me to something like content provider. So you are really on a low-level kind of development experience there. So you have to make everything possible. You have data provider, the watch face then connects to the wear system. The wear system kind of connects to the data provider and requests an update and, and stuff like that. So that reminds me really to, to the old days where content provider has been used more often on the, on the phone. Um, but overall, I, I really think the development experience is, is great.
0: And what about the difference between... Where 1.0, 1.0, and 2.0, do you have some experience with, like migrating an application, or just do you have some thoughts about an API difference or something?
2: Um, well, the biggest change, well, I haven't migrated the uh, Android uh, Android Wear app personally, but the biggest change was that some things were simply just simplified. So, starting with um, being able to do network calls and not being forced to establish a low energy Bluetooth connection somehow with your phone and to have a companion phone app or a companion wear app, whatever, whatever, it depends from your point of view. So that was, I think, a nice move. And I think Apple's, yeah, I think the Apple Watch SDK has now a similar functionality, but was also like very very similar to what the Android Wear 1.0 SDK has and or has had an, um, until some some months ago I think or maybe a year ago um, but yeah the other parts were like um, resources has also been a little bit simplified if I remember correctly so there was like some round and rectangle Uh, resource folders they they are still there but nowadays you tend to use a kind of special frame layout that applies some insets or something like that if I remember correctly Uh, so that's also probably one of the Android specific (laughs) development issues that there are always multiple ways to do something right (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but apart from that I think, yeah, using the view makes also things much easier for watch development. Um, And there were also some, I think, energy or battery consumption restrictions now in Android Wear, at least for background processing, which is, I think, similar to what you also have in Android O or in Android P. but I think they make sense. Those restrictions, just just something to keep in mind that that those restrictions weren't there in Android one uh, But I think it's more like an operating system thing that came along with with the usual phone operating system. But again, overall, I really I really like the idea on, on the Android development system, just to be able to provide a different UI or just to change the the view layer and. You can export parts of your app like your phone app to the to a wear app that's that's nice from my point of view
0: i think that uh, i don't know i just had a wild thought that maybe if there wasn't android wear but something based on android things and basically some embedded operating system without that much of android overhead maybe it would be a better user experience from the energy efficiency standpoint. Uh, it is nice from the development side to actually just reuse components as you, as you mentioned, but from the user experience, I think that I would like a more like a Mi Band device than a watch itself. And I don't think we have this opportunity at this point. Hmm. I don't know. Would you actually develop for Android Wear in the future if you had a chance? Or you don't like the idea and you don't like the devices currently available? Artem, would you do it?
1: I would actually probably do it just for fun. I did some Android Wear apps for work. Um, one of them was an app that was tracking heart rate. Um, that was pretty interesting. Um, and that was one of the first apps when I started to use RxJava. So that was really nice, uh, you know, working with real-time data streams and applying RxJava to it. Um, also, as Hannes mentioned, uh, you, if you want to, you can interact with the application on the phone, which is uh, kind of cool to do. Like, you know, your are your own server developer, developer <laughs> and then you develop a client and the server, you know, it's, it's back and forth communication, so it's pretty interesting. Mm. Definitely, as I said, I don't think our current state of the device market is great. Let's say, like, the best looking watches for my personal taste is Huawei watches, but they don't have NFC for Android Pay, which is ridiculous for this price. And I'm just waiting for uh, Google to come up with some Pixel lineup for watches, and then it could be could be really interesting. um Unfortunately, I don't think uh, like lots of companies will need. Uh, well, it's not unfortunate, but it's just reality. Like lots of companies don't really need an app. Like Hannah kind of said, <laughs> why would you read the newspaper on your watches on <laughs> such a tiny screen? Uh, I don't know. That's ridiculous. The sports applications is definitely a good one, and as it. Usually the case, the ones that need to to be on the platform implements the worst (laughs) uh, applications they can. So like lots of sport apps I've tried were so bad, even though that's the perfect platform for them, just for free, just just go and take it. They screw it up all the time. Um, So maybe someone who do it right and do it good will just concur the market surprisingly, lots of people actually like Samsung watches, uh, which are not Wear OS. I think they use Tizen, uh, their own OS for that. And it's just so smooth and just so, you know, like, um, how do I put that? There is a consistency between the apps on those watches and like how the the watches work and stuff like that which is a little bit broken on android wear side
0: mm.
1: i love your idea of having android things based devices which is totally different i think yeah they could maybe reuse the communication protocols so you could on the application side use same apis to talk to this device but that could definitely open a market for more dumber things like bands that could leave on the battery for weeks rather than days because it's definitely something that you just get tired off. Like your watches can discharge at any point in two to three days' time and you just need to charge them pretty much every day, which is sort of ridiculous. Um, so I guess, yeah, that improvements in the battery life would be great. However, it's surprising to see that such a tiny device with all these capabilities, and nowadays Android Wear watches can have a SIM card in them and actually have a separate cellular connection. They still can live for at least two days for the most part, which is sort of ridiculous. You can even call someone from the watches and and talk to the watches. (laughs) and that kind of stuff, and have Bluetooth connected to the watches to to hear music, as Hannah said. Uh, so it's definitely an interesting direction. It's just that I'm more interested in augmented reality because it covers pretty same use cases uh, very differently and can actually just outperform the watches in many, many directions.
2: Or oh, Artem, I have to ask, since you are in the States, have you ever used Google Play Music on your on your smartwatch to listen to podcasts? Is that possible? Because here in Europe, um, Google Play Podcast mm-hmm. is not is not available, as you might know. Right, right. And so, what I've started doing lately is I was <laughs> I was implementing my own podcast player application um, for both phone and 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 watch just to be able to sync the data between those two somehow because otherwise you manually have to copy the mp3 file over bluetooth with some third party apps or whatever so manually copy files you know like mm-hmm. in the back old mp3 days in the early 2000 <laughs> from your from your phone to your to your watch something like that so is that is that possible, or is that auto syncing and auto auto downloading and resuming at the at the point where you're left um, on your phone available on Google Play Music for the watch? Right, I
1: have no idea. I don't use Google Play Music because I don't like it, and I don't have watches in states, uh, Android watches. So I see. Unfortunately, I can't answer that. What Sorry.
0: about the Pocket Cast app? Doesn't it have an? Um watch application?
2: No, no watch application. Which is unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah, otherwise I wouldn't write my own. (laughs) But maybe I will crash then the market with my own podcast player app. I guess
0: we'll just wait for some small CDs you insert in your watch (laughs) to play. Like this tiny disc for PSP and PS Vita. (laughs) Uh,
2: I just wanted to mention that Artem is right, so I Looked up some more numbers and the decent operating system um, has a slightly larger market share than the Android watch uh, system. So, yeah, seems to be, seems that people like that, that, that Samsung watches. Uh, another thing for, for lifecycle is that, or for lifecycle on the, on the watches, from a developer's standpoint, there's something like an ambient mode. And then you get some more life cycles. So apart from the traditional activity life cycles, you can enable ambient mode, but then you get also additional life cycles like on enter ambient mode and on exit ambient, bo- ambient mode and on update ambient mode. So more life cycles. Yay.
0: I think Hannes is looking for management position. He, he is all in for agile. <laughs> approaches has all these stats and market shares and all of that so yeah you have, you have to update your LinkedIn page
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has like a keynote presentation open <laughs>
0: yeah definitely <laughs> how many times did it crash in the last half an hour
2: um only once <laughs> okay. but it's installing it's an decent.
0: update uh so the current status of where was from our site what are your thoughts on that? From my side, it looks like it's fine. We just have to wait for some decent devices. And maybe we'll wear some sort of watch or something like that still. But uh, I would prefer a band or something less intrusive. But it seems to be alive for me. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think
1: it's pretty alive. It just needs improvement. Also, interesting that one of other reasons why I stopped using them was data privacy. So most of the watches nowadays have microphones, uh, they have accelerometers and heart rate sensors. And like, I'm already piping tons of data to Google through my Android phone. So I was like, do I really want to pipe even more data? And that's why sometimes I like to just have products from different companies um, to not have this single point of failure so yeah it's a it's
0: another thing to think about i guess an interesting um uh, i don't know industry that might be interested in this watch where and wearable stuff is actually medicine uh, i think apple does something in that area they actually have the health app that can report data to your physician And I think this is not developed as it might be, because the medicine sphere is actually kind of, I don't know, it's just mostly analog these days, so it might
2: open some possibilities, but we'll see. I think it's a good idea to split this episode into two parts. So let's stop here and continue our discussion about Android Everywhere by discussing Android Auto and Android TV in the second part. So stay tuned, I'm stopping the recording now.